Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Uh, you got you, you stopped doing the GOG thing? I'm just too tired, man. I, that, you know how much effort that takes to wake that up this early in the morning? Uh, yeah, yeah. They did not do Yo! MTV raps at uh, 8 a.m. I guarantee you that. No, they did not. They did not for sure. But uh, I do have a little follow-up to start with. Uh, my mm-hmm. live stream was last Wednesday on Adorama XP. I, I saw some positive feedback. Uh, man, I tell you what, we got it easy. <laughs> <laughs> podcasting is so much easier than doing the live stream. I right. My throat was sore for, you know, two days because mm-hmm. you just talk for two hours straight because there's no chat back and forth. There's a chat room. So you're always shucking and jiving. I'm running. I'm running two computers, multiple microphones, a video switcher, an audio interface, doing demos <laughs> and, and trying to read the chat and keep up at the same time. Uh, but see, you're trying to be professional. Don't most people just hold up their phone? Uh, I guess so, but uh, <laughs> I know. I was trying, you, I was so trying to make, make it hard on yourself. I was trying to make a good first impression. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be back again this Wednesday, 8 to 10. Uh, 8 to 10. Okay. <laughs> Eastern. I told you it's early. <laughs> but it, I got to say it was fun. It was a lot of work, but it was fun. But, and I couldn't have done it without uh, Seth Miranda. He uh, he was my Twitch Sherpa and hopefully will continue nice. to be. He Very taught cool. me a bunch of stuff with OBS and Twitch and all that stuff. So a huge thank you to Seth. His uh, stuff will be linked in the show notes. So check him out. Awesome. Uh, we got a bit of follow-up from somebody who actually lives somewhere about, uh, where we talked about something. We were talking about the drone delivery testing going on in Christianburg, uh, Virginia. And Pete lives there. All right. So he wrote in. Well, he lives close by. Well, I'll let him explain. Hey, guys, I listened to your episode where you mentioned the drone deliveries. I live close to Christianburg, not actually in town, but out in the country. I do see the drones flying overhead when I shop there. Everybody treats it as a novelty. Ooh, is that one of those drones? I don't know anybody who actually lives in the delivery area. I don't really see it as being practical for our area. The middle school was using it to deliver books during lockdown, but the librarian wished that the delivery area was larger so she could reach more of her students. We are just too spread out. Population density is too low. So distances are... Are too far and demand too low. I think they're using Christianburg as a test area. Anyway, stay grumpy. Yeah, that makes sense. You would want to test somewhere where there was not high population density in case one fell out of the sky. Yeah, true that, true that. Uh, <laughs> it would be better if, you know, they could uh, get more books to kids, which I thought that's a great use case. If only we didn't have some sort of technology, say, oh, I don't know, a bookmobile. <laughs> a bookmobile. That Brian, we have had since I was a child. It's COVID. It's COVID. <laughs> right. So, you know, COVID air, C-19 mm-hmm. air delivery, right? Coming right up. Do you remember right. on the bookmobiles? I, I used to love this, man. You'd get that that little uh, newsprint flyer when you were in class and you had to oh, yeah, fill yeah. everything out, pick out the books you want, and then do all the totals and go home and beg, borrow, and steal the money. Go in, give it to the teacher because you had to like you had like two days to fill it out and give it to the teacher. And then you'd forget about it. And then- like two, three weeks later, the bookmobile would come up and you'd go get your order. And mm-hmm. it was like a stack of paperbacks, like, you know, Bonicula and Judy Bloom books and all that crap. <laughs> that was so much fun. I miss that. Yeah. And what do I do for my kid? I order my book on Amazon and it arrives within 12 hours. Yeah. yeah. Kids these days, let me tell you. I know. It was that It was that part where you forgot that you actually put in the order. And then yeah, it shows up. It it's took like, so long in between. Yes. Yeah, that was so much fun. <laughs> the next school year, your books will arrive. <laughs> exactly. The way it used to work. Uh, also, a bit of follow-up over the battle over net neutrality. Our old friend Ajit Pai, we talked about this during 2017 when uh, they op- the FCC opened up their public comments and they received $22 million. And, of course, that you know we were looking at it at the time and it was full of like obvious bullshittery was going on. Dead people. And uh, – <laughs> Yes, they've they've looked even further into this now, and they found the comments were, of course, riddled with fraud. One New Yorker who commented in favor of the appeal turned out to be dead. Yep. A single 19-year-old college student apparently filed 7.7 million <laughs> comments against the repeal. Oh, great. 
<sighs> and a broadband industry group spent millions to submit more than 8.5 million fake comments supporting the decision. So, yes, a lot of these were from lead generation firms, companies intended to help policy campaigns drum up public support and comments. Uh, these uh, They found that three of these firms fraudulently submitted comments themselves, and net neutrality wasn't their only target. They also sub- – I'm assuming they used bots. So they also leased, uh, uh, unleashed their bots at uh, 100 other advocacy campaigns, including the EPA, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, and various federal and state legislators. So awesome. Great. Uh, yeah, people are kind of pissed about this. Uh, they, uh, the, this uh, report included comments from people whose names were used without their permission. We knew that was happening as well. One expressed disgust that somebody stole their identity and used it to push a viewpoint that they did not hold. And one other victim may have summed it up best. These are the kinds of actions that make the population lose faith in the system. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we did find a use for GPT-3. That's true. Yep. We always Seems wondered too. where all those millions of words were going a day. Now we know. Now <laughs> to we the know. FCC comment system. Yep. And over on Twitter, Travis sent this in. He says, don't throw your shoulders out from patting yourselves on the back for being right again. That's- oh, man. I've been sitting on a heating pad all week, Travis. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> yeah, this is a link from The Motley Fool. More quarterly losses from Uber and Lyft suggest the current ride-hailing model just doesn't work. Again, file under no shit, Sherlock. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just this Mm -hmm. last line. It's past time for investors to ask what the plausible path to profitability looks like for these companies. There isn't one. There isn't one. Yeah. If they can't make money juicing the system as they are now, which is lying, cheating, stealing, and basically having indentured servitude instead of employees, then they're not going to make money. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's absolutely well, a Ponzi scheme right now because they need more investors to pay for the losses and you know, it's gonna, you're going to run out of people to invest. Let us not forget, what is their product, Jason? It is just an app. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I don't know how to spell or pronounce this woman's name. You probably do. Emily Radikowski? Radikowski? I don't know. Uh, she's beautiful. I know that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hubba hubba. Yeah. Hubba hubba. Yeah. Well, hubba hubba. she's selling an NFT. And the of ver- course she is. The Verge because course- she's not already rich. Yes, I know. Mm, the Verge yeah. likes to point out on this one, how many layers of copyright infringement are in Emily Radikowski's new NFT? And I think I'm going to sell an NFT of the screenshot of Pinterest's homepage. Maybe I can win. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt. Uh, It starts off by saying, there's the NFT. An NFT contains essentially just a link, but the terms of sale imply ownership of whatever the NFT links to. Rajakowski Mm -hmm. can definitely sell a link. Is she really selling the underlying image? Are all NFTs a sham? Further study is needed. And it goes on to list many, many copyright infringements that are going on in this <laughs> NFT. And then it goes – the final point is maybe none of this matters anyway because, again, what even is an NFT? It's interesting that they say that because I still do follow a friend of the show, Sean Bonner, on Twitter. And uh, they have apparently been getting deeply philosophical about what NFTs are. And it, it, it literally is blowing my mind. It, it, make, it, it It's taken every fiber of my being not to jump into the debate <laughs> because then they're like, you know, the thing that we have to realize is we're not so much selling the image. We're selling the token to which I wanted to scream, well, who the fuck wants a token? That's not what you're selling. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm telling you. I don't know what you're selling. You don't know what you're selling. You're full of shit. Philosophers for decades will be will be trying to unravel the mental dumb fuckery that everybody is trying to do to make these things real in their head so they can cash in. It is insane the mental gymnastics that I see taking place uh-huh. right now on Twitter about these things. Mm-hmm. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's just fun to watch at this point. I'm like, okay, you, you know, juice as much money as you can out of the system. Uh, if you're if you're listening to the show and you're thinking about buying an NFT, send us the money instead. I'll, I'll, I will make you an NFT. We will make you a link <laughs> yes. to our show art. <laughs> And uh, we will tell you that we are selling the link and not the art or a token or anything like that. Just send us your money and we will give you an NFT of us. Yes, please, please. Pretty please mm-hmm. with sugar on top. Uh, but if you're if you are minting NFTs and selling them, by all means, go with God. Just don't don't peddle it to our <laughs> our constituency, please. Yes. So uh, this just in autopilot couldn't have been engaged during fatal Tesla crash says the NTSB. All right. There we have it. 
There we, there we have, have it. it. It is impossible for that system to turn on because there were no lines in the road. But also now they have video footage of the driver and the passenger getting in the car in a whopping 550 feet later, they jump, they run into a tree. So pilot so, error. Wait, wait, why did we go like two weeks back and forth about whether the autopilot was on or whether anybody was in the car or not when there's a fucking video? Apparently it took him a while to find the video, but uh, okay. yeah, Musk for the win on this one. Fatality. <laughs> Musk had a lot of wins, but we'll get into that in the news. Yes, we will. Here we go. In the news. So, yeah, all the bit bros and the doge dorks were doge glued dorks. to their couches. <laughs> That's a new one. I haven't heard doge dorks before. Uh, I, I might have coined that one myself. I might have minted it myself. I was going to say, did you mint that one? Is it on the <laughs> blockchain now? Uh, yeah, so they were all glued to their mother's couch uh, watching Saturday Night Live on Saturday night, uh, which probably had I, – I didn't check this, but I'm guessing probably had the highest live ratings that it's had in years. Third uh, – Years. No, third most popular of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. Chappelle beat him. Would, Chappelle beat him. Oh, uh, well, that makes sense. An actual I mean, comedian on a comedy show. He's actually show, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, Musk was on and everybody was waiting and the whole week was full of people snapping up Dogecoin, which drove Dogecoin's uh, cost way up prior to the show. And then as soon as the show started, it tanked. Yeah, that's the way it went. And uh, I think uh, Professor Galloway said it best was if you haven't unloaded uh, the uh, your Doge by the time that the, the new segment started, it's way too late. And it turns out that was pretty much the uh, when it hit the shitter. So, yes, the hodlers stopped hodling. <laughs> <laughs> At 12.22 a.m., the stock trading app Robinhood tweeted that its platform was having trouble with cryptocurrency, suggesting a stampede or a basically a runaway. Uh, everybody sold that uh, had it and uh, made money. And if you're stuck holding it, good luck. Musical Although, chairs. you are going to get a second chance here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you watched it? Have you watched <laughs> any of it? No. I, I watched the Twitter reaction. See, I watched the Twitter reaction, and the people that I follow hated it. They thought it was terrible and that Elon was shit and should be burned at the stake. And so my roommate and I popped a cocktail on on Sunday and watched the rerun, and we mm -hmm. both laughed and we both enjoyed it because I don't know if you've watched SNL at all in the past, like, three years. It's terrible. I haven't watched SNL in, like, ten years, yeah, to oh, be honest. No, it's terrible. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I did like uh, the Bill Burr episode and the Dave Chappelle episode this season were good just because of them. But most most episodes are terrible. So this was actually probably, in the quality of the show, the third best episode of the season. I thought Elon was, you know, Elon. And it was pretty good. I mean, I well, thought it apparently, was funny. Apparently, my Twitter, the people I follow on Twitter are more savvy than the people you follow on Twitter because that was the vibe I got as well. Everybody said he actually did quite a good job. Yeah. Given, given his limitations, they wrote to it and he performed up to standards. And the, the, there was a pre-film segment that Pete Davidson was the star of. I mean, absolutely. Ugh. It was funny as hell. I, he's okay. growing. He's he's totally grown on me. I like him a lot. <laughs> he's going to be playing right. Joey Ramone in the Ramones uh, re, uh, biopic. Yeah, I soon. saw that. I saw that. Anyway, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, that's what people seem to be saying. So uh, if you're sitting there super sad because your Dogecoin tanked, you will get one more shot here. Here comes another another publicity stunt. SpaceX will be launching a Dogecoin-funded moon satellite. Now, we have to check in and see if they're still doing that. Hopefully they sold their Dogecoin to fund things because <laughs> if they held on to it, it's going to be a little teeny, teeny, bitty satellite, I think. Uh, so yeah, the, he's following up his Saturday Night Live stint with another more practical pitch for Dogecoin. Canadian engineering firm Geometric Energy Corporation has struck a deal with SpaceX to launch its Doge One CubeSat to the moon in the first quarter of 2022. As the name implies, it's entirely funded by Dogecoin. Yay! How does that? How does that actually work? You, who's? What, I don't get it. I mean, what does I'm that assuming mean? that they had Dogecoin at some point and then they sold it when it was super high, and they're using the proceeds. And let's. Uh, as as again, Scott Galloway, Professor Galloway pointed out, at one point the the, the Dogecoin was worth more than Moderna, the company. <laughs> so there was a lot of money going on in there for a while. Uh, I, I just love this commercial sales VP Tom Achinero Ach said the mission would demonstrate the viability of crypto beyond Earth. <laughs> a no, foundation, a foundation for interplanetary commerce. My what a load of shit. <laughs> bullshit oh my yeah, god yeah. 
So, yes, obviously everybody is seeing through this, and this is just a publicity play here, and Doge 1 is one large tech trend mashup, but you never know. Maybe your Doge will go up a notch on news of this, but... No. If you're still if you're still hodling, you're a loser. Well, it all depends on if they put uh, a bunch of NFTs on Doge One. <laughs> <laughs> they should put the the Rajatsky NFT on there. Exactly. Just the link, a printed out piece of paper yeah. with the link. Print the link around the hole. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, and other things that don't make any sense. Uh, well, this actually does make sense. 40 state attorneys general sent a letter to Mark Zuckerberg urging Facebook to abandon plans to build an Instagram app for kids under 13. Yes, let's take the app that has been shown and proven to actually depress the shit out of teenagers and give it to them for even under. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's yeah. Yeah, let's just fucking break them out of the womb. Oh, unbelievable. I would never, ever, not in a million years, let my kid have this. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I do like that they have cited Facebook's poor track record of protecting kids online <laughs> and adults, I might add. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Hopefully this will get, uh, yeah, killed in the womb. Hopefully. Uh, the tide seems to be turning against Facebook. I, oh, I've got to yeah. say, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, there is no good publicity coming out about Facebook anymore. Mm-mm. So, but uh, Signal trolled them, and I thought this was genius. Uh, Signal tried to run the most honest campaign ad ever on Facebook and immediately got banned. So they basically used uh, Instagram's ad tech tools mm -hmm. and Facebook's ad tech tools, obviously. You get the infinite array of data points collected by Facebook's herd of properties. And I urge you, if you're on the fence about Facebook, go in and start the process to uh, place an ad, and you will be terrified at the amount of data <laughs> and how, how granular you can get. <laughs> it will right. really bother you. So uh, Signal created super targeted ads that were branded with the exact targeting specs that uh, they used. If an ad was targeted towards K-pop fans, it said so. If the ad was targeted towards a single person, the ad said so. Hey, single guy. And all that sort of stuff. It's awesome. I, I highly encourage everybody to go check out the link in the show notes and go see some of the actual ads that they ran. And Facebook said, um, hang on a second. No. You can't have you can't show this sort of transparency in our system. What? And uh, exactly. And Signal's blog post said that the ad account used to run these ads was shut down before the ads could even reach their target audiences. Facebook is denying that, of course, and saying that they're just doing a PR stunt here. Um, you know, this is a stunt by Signal, who have never even actually tried to run these ads, and we didn't shut their ad account down either. If Signal had tried to run the ads, a couple of them would have been rejected because our advertising policy prohibits ads that assert that you have a specific medical condition or sexual orientation although we don't seem to <laughs> we don't prohibit collecting that data do we no we don't hmm. but of course running the ads was never their goal it was about getting publicity and signal in turn said uh we absolutely did try to run those ads those ads were rejected and facebook disabled our ad account these are real screenshots as facebook should know nice <laughs> Yes, and Facebook should be worried at this point because apparently the iOS 14.5 update uh, has actually stopped people from letting Facebook track them. Right. Only 4% of U.S. iPhone users have agreed to app tracking after the update. Uh, that opt-in rate climbed to 12% worldwide, but it's clear that most people are turning down requests when they receive prompts. This was a pretty comprehensive study. It followed about 2.5 million daily active users in the U.S. and 5.3 worldwide. So... This made me think, Jason, that we have spent all of our time on the show pulling our hair and thinking people just don't care about their privacy. Turns out people are just fucking lazy. They're Shocker. too lazy to go into <laughs> settings and sort shit out. But if you put it front and center in front of them, they'll say, hey, yeah, I'll take the privacy. Thank you. Yep. And, and here's the other thing. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I, I turned off the tracking on Instagram. I can go to my browser. I can Google something. And then I will get ads for it in Instagram, even though I have the tracking turned off. So, well, we, we talked about this last yeah, week. They're getting data points from so many so other many places. places. Yeah. yeah. That's so. why we know it's not listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to. Actually, this may be the one thing that has come out of this Apple iOS update is we now can officially put to rest the fact that they're not listening to you. Exactly. Well, they might be on Android. Who the fuck knows? It's Android. That's true. And Barrett wrote in with a pretty funny little comment, uh, but basically the link was Twitter begins to show prompts before people send mean replies. Ooh. Yes, they are using an AI to review your tweet before you send it. Uh, want to review this before tweeting? The prompt asks in a sample provided by the company, and you will have three options. Tweet as is, edit, or delete. And uh, so they're basically running 
running your tweet before it gets sent through a word filter to see if you're pissed off. Yeah. Or drunk. Uh, <laughs> and nobody's going to care. What they need. Well, it, it does seem to be an effective. In tests, it found that if prompted, 34% of people revised their initial reply or did not reply at all. So maybe stop some hate. We'll see. They they revised their reply. So fuck you could have turned into double fuck you, you raging piece <laughs> of shit. They're like, oh, you know what? That that actually wasn't mean enough. Let me let me let me uh, prompt. Uh, I've been prompted. Let me let me uh, take a minute to formulate a response. Hmm. Yeah. Here we mm -hmm. go. Yeah, and no sex sent in a pretty terrifying leak. A uh, leak link about better not uh, forget to pay your subscription. And we've talked a little bit in the past about how the car companies are slowly wheedling their way towards subscriptions because the most profitable thing for any company to do is to basically have a bundle and a recurring revenue. And uh, a motorcycle airbag vest has gone ahead and done it. Uh, it's got two components, really. There's the vest itself, and then there's a module, which uh, makes the vest actually work. Uh, both are about $400, so you can purchase outright the vest for $400, and then the module for another $400, and then you just own it. Or, uh, if you would rather not spend a full $800 and just spend $400, you can spend $12 per month or $120 per year to make the vest actually work. Okay. And if you don't pay, you die. You die. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's exactly it. So like, uh, and, and they actually have a relatively valid reason to kind of do this. Uh, they said that basically, you know, maybe you don't ride all year and you don't mm -hmm. want to pay for all of this stuff. So you could just pay for the month that you're going to ride or the two months that you're going to ride. Or you could just sell it as a product, which I guess they do. And you should probably purchase it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's a motorcycle. Motorcycles are money pits anyway. I mean, I had one for like what a year, and the thing every time you turn around, you got to buy some damn thing for it. I mean, they're they're boats. They're they're just like boats, you know. Yes. Uh, so eight hundred bucks for a vest that will you know stop you from dying. Not yes. really that much of a capital outlay. I'm I'm thinking. Yeah, much cheaper than the health insurance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, I would have bought this if I was still riding. I'm not. So yep, funny. and you would have bought it outright, not the yeah. subscription-based model. Oh, yeah, no shit. Absolutely. I'd like – when you absolutely want to not die. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to be like screaming down the street at like 90 miles an hour going, oh, shit. Did I change my credit card? <laughs> I know. Oh, God, I hope that processed. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, here, here's an even better one. You're driving down the street. You get a ding on your phone, and you pull it up saying uh, credit card was declined. <laughs> And then you crash. You crash because you're checking your phone on your motorcycle. Yep. <laughs> oh, to tell you that you are going to die. That's uh, I, we could make a movie about that. Anyway, uh, this was a hat tip to Highlander. This continues to be a big problem: criminals using the internet for criminal purposes. This is an older story called "A Vast Web of Vengeance." It came out in uh, January 30th, 2021, by Kashmir Hill, who we've been mm -hmm. following for a while yes. in the New York Times. Uh, this is a Toronto-based Super Karen <laughs> who has put thousands and thousands of hateful articles about people on the internet. Uh, she should have worked for the, you know, the people who are trying to take down the the net neutrality thing. She might have had a job. Um, <laughs> but she was using revenge sites and uh, customer review sites to get this stuff up there. And uh, it's a chilling read. And there's yeah. nothing these people could really do about it. And it's to the point where... You know, I mean, she was living on the streets. They hired a private detective to follow her around. She was doing most of this from a library in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it got to the point that the things that she was saying and the damage that she was causing, I don't know about you, but I would have uh, thrown the lawyers away and actually had some vengeance on this woman. I mean, I wanted to go find her and throw her in front of a bus, and I just read the article. I wasn't even affected by it. <laughs> it's like, well, look, I, I, this this existed pre-technology. Technology certainly makes it a lot easier and all of that sort of stuff. But if somebody is bound and determined to ruin your life, they're going to fucking do it. Yeah, but this is like, I mean, it's so easy. It's just so yeah, easy. And we know so this. Easy. We know yeah. this. But mm -hmm. it's like it, these kind of stories really bring it to light. And it's just like, man, I just, you know, sometimes a little uh, stick doesn't uh, doesn't hurt is all I'm saying. <laughs> but Well, yeah, I do hope this woman ends up in jail for a long, 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 long time. Actually, I think she needs to be in a mental institution personally. Yeah, and, it seems to be. And it's Toronto. Free health care. Grab the bitch and throw her in a bucket somewhere. Anyway, you know what? This whole thing could have been avoided if she just had the Twitter filter. That's true. She would have thought about it. 
This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the Internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once. They monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and use promo code G-O-G at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and enter code G-O-G at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, 
open source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to GOG.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's GOG.show slash VPN. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA flower, is a game changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Media Candy. Paul writes in and says, G'day, Jason and Brian. I love your show. As I haven't heard this movie mentioned, I thought I would pass it on. I have an 11 year old and 13 year old daughter, so trying to find a movie they will both watch is almost impossible. Anyway, the other night, Mitchell vs. the Machines was recommended on Netflix, and as luck would have it, both girls agreed to give it a go. It had all of us in stitches. It's a cartoon, it's a kid's movie, but it has a techie. I'm assuming he meant feel to them that I believe suits the attitude of your show. Keep up the great work in kind regards. A lot of people have been talking about this on our discord and some other places. It's supposed to be yep. very good. So I will have to give it a watch to see if it's appropriate for a four-year-old uh, before I actually let my kids see it, but I will take a look at it. I will probably watch some of it tonight. Uh, speaking of stuff good for a four-year-old, there's a relatively new show on um, Nick Jr. called Santiago and the Seas. It's very good. So if you're looking for something for somebody in that age range, I can recommend that. And uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, one other thing I did want to mention. Uh, I didn't put this in the show notes. Um, I haven't talked about left sits much on the show oh, in a God. while because uh, I kind of stopped reading him. Um, but I picked it up a little bit as we're coming out of the pandemic because he's got some pretty good insight into the music industry and what's going on. Um, more people talk to him than talk to me. And uh, he confirmed something that I've been saying for quite some time. Um, concerts have gone on sale. Some concerts have even already happened. Some tours have been scheduled. Uh, but he is pointing out that this is the music business. And as he states, Live Nation is a public company. And just like Norwegian Cruise Lines, Live Nation cannot put its entire business in jeopardy. Bottom line, if you want to go to the show, you're going to have to show proof of vaccination. Definitely. No matter what Florida says. Because lawyers because insurance. There is no way in hell shows are going to happen without there being some coverage for these people so that if you go to a show and you get COVID, you don't sue. Okay. Uh, throw a link to that in the show notes. I, I've been, you know, left shits is like 50% for me. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes he's wrong, but uh, he always annoys. <laughs> I just don't like the guy. He's consistent that way. <laughs> yeah, he is consistently <laughs> annoying, but he does have a lot of insight into the business. Um, yes. I do have to say that after last episode, I did go back and start to rewatch Ted Lasso again. Uh-huh. 
just as good the second time. Just as good the second time. <laughs> what was that comment on Discord about it? It was like, shut up about this show, Brian. I hate sports. Shut up about this show, Brian. I hate sports. My God, this is a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Ups and doodads. So I've had my vinyl collection up on Discogs for sale for years now, and I've cleared out an awful lot of it, and I only have a little bit left, and uh, Mother's Day's coming around, and my wife casually mentions to me about two months ago, you know what I'd like? A record player. <laughs> Bitch, I got rid of my records! Go! <laughs> oh! <laughs> now I'm... I, <laughs> I was a little frustrated. <laughs> Now that you have a house that you can keep them all in, nice and displayed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, so I'm not entirely heartbroken because a lot of the – obviously, I, these are records that I bought in the 80s and 90s. It's very low quality, right? So all the records that they're producing now are the, are the heavier gram uh, vinyl, so they sound a lot better. They last longer. But still, the point being <laughs> – I literally yeah. got rid of my entire vinyl collection, <laughs> and now I bought my wife a record player. Uh, I picked up the Audio-Technica Direct Drive Turntable, Analog Wireless and USB, ATLP120 XBT USB, uh, and it is uh, pretty cool. Uh, the nice part about it is I can plug it in. It can be like nicely displayed somewhere. doesn't have to connect to anything because it connects wirelessly. I, I'm playing it on my Amazon uh, Alexa speakers, and it sounds wonderful. Cool. It's pretty cool. It's it's a nice little sh uh, showpiece thing. Cool, and That's you can about you, it really. Well, you can plug it into USB and uh, rip the vinyl too if you have to. But you don't have any left. That is true. You know, <laughs> but of course, all that's on Spotify. So don't well, if you had like you know some some <laughs> some albums with deep cuts that don't show up on Spotify, like half of the good albums that I'm finding, it's nice to be able to make your own. I have to say the really funny thing though is we set it up and you know, I got her uh, her favorite album is Oasis is definitely maybe so yeah. pick that up too and a very nice you know, gatefold, deluxe, whatever edition. And uh, we're playing it. And my kid goes, well, you can't pause it. Yeah, no, no skip to the next track. No. I'm like, no, kid. And he's, you can't tell it to do what I want. No, no, no. The way the world used to so, work, kid. Get used to yep, it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, we have a bit of news about uh, Microsoft's uh, development of Windows 10X, which was kind of meant to be as a kind of mobile iOS sort of thing, a stopgap between the next version, full version of Windows. And uh, they started on it and then went, nah, we're not going to do it. I've so never even heard of coming. it. I've never heard yeah. of it. <laughs> Well, you never will now. Windows 10X will probably never see the light of day, and they will just keep on working into Windows 10X proper. Uh, Windows will now go to 11. <laughs> so I got the B-Link SEI8 Mini PC Windows 10 Pro 8th Generation Intel i5-8259U Processor 16GB DDR4 512GB SSD Gigabit Ethernet 4K HD Dual HDMI Wi-Fi 6 uh, BT 5.0 Fan Support Auto Power On from Amazon. So I don't even know what that is. <laughs> After all of that, I'm not, I'm not sure what this is. It is a, uh, it's a PC. It is a mini. Oh, okay. It's a mini PC that's about the size of uh, an Apple TV, and uh, comes with Windows 10 Pro, uh, mm -hmm. Intel i5 processor, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and uh, <laughs> a 512 gigabyte SSD, which I just kind of said. <laughs> Plus support auto power on, and yes, as you can plug in a uh, smaller hard drive, so you have a bigger one. Like you know the. Um, this one, the the SSD on here is on a stick uh, because I was getting it to uh, – basically, I got this as a, a miner for um, – or a plotter for my Chia coin and also to run the farm because right. I'm running the farm on a very nice Mac Mini right now that I would like back. <laughs> I'd like all my computers back. So I got this <laughs> thing to run the farm. It's 500 bucks. So right. for a PC that's, you know – not too bad for 500 bucks. It's cheaper than getting another uh, Mac mini. So I thought I'd give it a shot and it seems to work okay. pretty good. You know, it's, it's for, for, you know, if I had to get a PC for somebody who wasn't like, you know, a gamer or anything and just needed it for, you know, the standard web browsing and email and docs and stuff like that, I would totally get one of these. It's tiny. You just put it out of the way, slap a keyboard and a monitor and a mouse on it and you're good to go. For the love of God, Jason, can you please just order a Chia Pet and put it on top of this thing? <laughs> I got it now. Now it's that you said it. the perfect size for it. Now I that mean, you said it. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to. That's got to be your photo. Yeah. 
You got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I saw a really interesting long form article again talking about uh, music formats gone by, uh, how Sony paved the way for modern music production. And this is all about that digital audio tape, uh, which was the shiznit back in the day. I remember saving money in college to get a DAT because it was the best quality and I was doing music production. And that's kind of what this gets into. It's a, it's a really interesting article about how without DAT, there may not have been uh, electronic music uh, as it as it came out. So very interesting article. Uh, if you're into old school music production and uh, the history behind it, I'd highly recommend reading this. Pretty cool. Yeah. Old school music piracy too. Because I remember a friend of the show, MXV, he had tons of DATs. He would take his DAT player to uh, concerts and plug it into the soundboard and get Ooh. perfect copies of them. Yes. That's nice. Yeah. Well done. Try and get a DAT player that works nowadays though. Very difficult. Yeah, I know. Very, very difficult. I still have some DAT tapes in the box somewhere, but no DAT player. Ah, send them to Mike. I think he still. I think he found a working one to, to digitize okay. all of his shows. At the library. I have finished Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. All right. It is fix-it porn, just like you would expect. I heard it was the Martian D. It is the Martian, but D for sure. <laughs> um, here's the funny thing about listening to audiobooks. Now, you get, you know, readers who do a wide swath of audiobooks, and you start to equate the books that you're listening to right now with the books you've heard in the past. And uh, this book was read by the same guy that read the Bobaverse series. Okay. So <laughs> that might get confusing in the head. It was. <laughs> it was really confusing. But I have to say, all the jokes landed harder in this book because I thought they were written for Bob and not this guy <laughs> in the book. I, I have the protagonist in my head being Bob, but it's not Bob. It's a guy. Um, it. I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I don't know uh, if you're not into the fix it porn type of thing. Um, might not be for you because there's a lot of it. There's right. a lot of it, you know. I think uh, Adam Savage has locked himself in a closet with some hand cream and tissues and won't come out for another year. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, it it's it's on that level. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like you know how I, I mentioned in Cory Doctorow's last book how he started off doing the same thing, but just talking about computers and how to mm -hmm. set up a computer just to do this thing to move the storyline along. Right. This is kind of like that, but really entertaining. Okay. <laughs> Like, Corey's was just mind-numbingly boring. This guy makes it fun. All right. I mean, I'm up for reading it. I really enjoyed The Martian. I think you should. This really does yeah. have the same kind of feel to it. It is definitely different. It's still in space, which is great. Uh, different problems, uh, different scenarios, and uh, a lot of different plot twists. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, it's not it's not The Martian, but it is just a hair under for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Cool. Definitely going to read it. As soon as I finish the very long book I'm currently doing. Security? Ha! Dave Bittner is back. Dave is the host of the Cyberwire podcast and a co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, co-host of the Caveat Show with Ben... The Caveat Show. <laughs> trying to ad-lib. <laughs> you, you now have the Caveat Show with Ben Yellen. <laughs> ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Pop, where they discuss law and policy and surveillance and privacy. And finally, he's the co-host of Recorded Future, where he takes you inside the world of cyber threat intelligence. Welcome, Dave. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Breaker 5-9-er, Breaker 5-9-er. So apparently yeah. the ham community came out in full force to support you, Dave. Imagine that. <laughs> I called it, right? Yep, I called you did. It. You yeah, did. Uh, I called uh, it. One, we got a message from Rook who says he was a manager at Radio Shack and a current ham radio operator. They mm -hmm. never tested at Radio Shack, but Dave was describing a bunny hunt, and we ham users were instrumental in organizing search and rescue for Mount St. Helens and other disasters. Yeah, absolutely. Hams, I mean, li hams literally save the day. When there's natural disasters, they they step up, uh, and uh, they get they get made fun of a lot, but when bad yes, things are happening, they, you know, they... they, they, they it's they kind of like Robin. In Batman and Robin, we, we laugh at him, but he does step up. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of critical infrastructure in a way that I mean, and they have a long, proud tradition of doing so. So thank right. you, thank you for uh, 
for your service. And Ben Thornton writes, I'm one of those ham folks that you guys were chatting about in the Hamming It Up episode many years ago. Okay, so I'm a bit older. I participated in many so-called hidden transmitter hunts, which we now know are bunny hunts, with the mm -hmm. fancy homemade direction-finding gear. This was often followed by a gathering at a nearby restaurant for some post-event banter. Right, right. No girls allowed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, they're invited. It's just they tend to run yeah, the other direction. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's an open invitation. <laughs> they're but, the bunnies yeah. you're hunting for, probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, lately, I've managed to get myself bitten by the FPV drone flying bug, and I have now learned what it really means to spend money on a hobby. Ain't that the truth? More mm -hmm. notably, I've been pleasantly surprised that many of my fellow drone pilots have gotten their technician class ham licenses so that they can be legal when using some of the ham frequencies to transmit their video feeds to their goggles. I thought that ah, was pretty cool. That is cool. Mm -hmm. oh, I bet that brings all the bunnies to the yard. <laughs> you can just... <laughs> hey, yeah, but if they run away, sound? you send your drone after them. <laughs> right. That sounder is panties dropping all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> In turn, FPV drones with GoPro cameras can be used for the aerial photography of the more exotic ham radio field day operations. This is an example of one hobby's symbiotic relationship with others by borrowing each other's tech. It's a win-win. Well, thank you, Ben. It Thanks, is indeed. Ben. And back when I was a video guy, uh, I used to enjoy going to the ham fests because it was a great place to buy all sorts of connectors and cables. And um, and you never knew what you were going to find at a ham fest, uh, used, used video equipment and all sorts of things. So uh, I always enjoyed the so – there is definitely a, uh, a spiritual connection with uh, the ham radio operators and the other technical geeks who are, who are into all that old school electronics stuff. Yeah. What happens when the ham fest gets up with the uh, cheese fest? Is it bring your own buns? <laughs> well, I will tell you, there was one year when I went to NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters Convention. That's the it's a big you know trade show in Las mm -hmm. Vegas. I think it's second to to um, CES. Uh, C yeah CES uh, in terms of size, and we happened to be there at the same time that the AVN awards were there. They always ran in concert. We were <laughs> I, actually we were probably on other sides of the same room because I used yeah. to go to AVN the the whole AVN uh, Adult Expo. So me and a bunch of my fellow geeks are on our way to one of the hotels, one of the one of the uh, halls where they're having some sort of Final Cut Pro super meet. And on our way there, we're passing by a different hall that is being used for the AVN Awards. And and coming the other way down the hallway are – I'm not – I'm exaggerating. There are women in their underwear, barely their underwear, coming out of this – this uh, this event, and of course, it, it's it's the the culture clash that you imagine it is. It's all of these TV geeks going in one direction, you know, beautiful, uh, barely clad women from the AVN Awards, and and they're just staring each other down. Like <laughs> they use that as B roll footage for Revenge of the Nerds. That's right, exactly. That's yeah. exactly that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, Jason, you mentioned uh, you got your uh, software-defined radio kit? I did. I did. But unfortunately, I've been sick for several days, so I haven't really had a chance to uh, plug it in yet. Uh, it's, okay. it's sitting there on the desk, but uh, I'm, finally, I'm getting back in the saddle, so hopefully later this week I'll plug it in. How about you? Have you been experimenting? Uh, I do. I, I dabble. I do dabble. Uh -huh. But I'll, I'll <laughs> wait for you to get yours up and running. We can have a good talk about it. Is there any development uh, with the ring uh, camera situation? Any any new data there? Nope. Uh, everything nope. is five by five. Every delivery okay. has been uh, on both cameras. So I, I, I have <laughs> to say that this one's uh, busted. Okay. All right. Fair All right. enough. I, I can live with that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to more geeky stuff. We had uh, May the 4th. <laughs> And the new series drop, Star Wars The Bad Batch. Dave, did you yes. watch it? I yes. have watched the first episode, and I enjoyed it very much. I have watched two. I, I found it enjoyable. Apparently, there's already a, a brewing problem in that uh, when Disney first purchased uh, the Star Wars universe, they wiped all the extended universe and said that wasn't canon. And they promised that everything that they would release would be canon in the same universe and all that. And apparently, The Bad Batch is already retconning some of the comic books. So there's some very angry nerds out there. Hmm. But uh, whatever. I thought it was enjoyable. Uh, I've got an issue with getting into the animated stuff that I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get over. And it could be 
partially because my kid is of an age where all he watches are animated things. So <laughs> right. I've had animation up the ass. Right. And uh, just can't, uh, I can't make a, a leap from Paw Patrol to adult animation. Right. Um, that was, that was know, a segment just, at the AVN Awards, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coincidentally, both of them were named Paw Patrol. I don't know. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I found it good, but I found myself comparing it to a metric of what if this were real people and if this were a Mandalorian real person show and how much better it would be. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, I would that. agree with that. I enjoyed it. I say, I would say it, it felt like Star Wars, um, but it did feel a little dumbed down. Um, yeah. and I don't know how I feel about all of, and I know this is, this is this horse has left the barn, but I don't know how I feel about all of the clones being Australian. Um, <laughs> for, yes, they are Australian for some yeah, reason. But, yeah, uh, I thought yeah. some of the writing is a little bit clunky, but uh, but I enjoyed it. I, it's it feels like Star Wars to me. It's a fun. It's what one of the things I like about these sorts of shows is that they allow us to go on these little side adventures that aren't worthy of their own movie. But they give us a taste of the Star Wars universe, uh, things we've wondered about. And uh, so we get to see them in shows like this. And that's fun. Yeah. And what I thoroughly enjoyed, though, were some of the other releases that they put up there. The Star Wars biomes and the vehicle fly-throughs, which Mm -hmm. just tickled my geeky heart. (laughs) What are those, by the way? I don't know what those are. Uh, Biomes is just fly-throughs, like, uh, you know, faked drone footage. Obviously faked. It's not going to be real because, you know, Tatooine does not exist. Uh, but drone flyovers of the various planets in the Star Trek, uh, Star Wars. Ooh, I almost said Star Trek. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> man. The pitchforks would have fucking come out. Bite, bite um, your tongue. In the Star Wars universe. So that that was very cool. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like the Apple TV screensaver except for dorks. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, is this like the, is this like an extras thing on the Bad Batch, or how do you get to this? No, these, these are just part of Disney Plus. They're, okay, they, they were just they're just in there, and then they're also doing a series of vehicle fly-throughs. They started with two. One was the Millennium Falcon, and another was a Star Destroyer. We're going to continue to get more, mm-hmm. and they're very very cool. I mean, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed them. Yeah, I the, I particularly like the biomes ones, and what I like about them is that. There, some of them take place during things that you know about from yes. the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yes, and you actually so, see battles going down on on the planet, <laughs> right? And you're just off at a distance, you know. So it's it's this peaceful view of this planet, and off in the distance, very small. There's there's Imperial walkers that are going across the planet and fighting, and, and they, yeah, um, you see the rebel base off in the distance, mm-hmm. and you know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I I agree. I, I, it's it's a a simple idea, well executed. Yeah, um, exactly. I was surprised we didn't see Endor, perhaps yeah. for a future episode. Perhaps, yeah. They nobody must be saving some. Nobody likes the Ewoks. Come on, let's be serious. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but they'd be distance. so far in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> from right. a distance. Right. So I, I, I want to dive in and watch this, and then I, I always get confused on you know what's canon, what's not, what's who, when, what, where, why are we watching this? Because the Mandalorian, I was confused up until like the second to last episode. I didn't know when it was happening. I thought it happened mm-hmm. later in the future. So. It. Uh, I went and I found uh, a Star Wars timeline. This is StarWarsCanonTimeline.com. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, unfortunately, it's a WordPress site. So you can, you can see all of the different media in chronological order. So you can see what you're watching, where it fits in the timeline. But you can't reverse sort it. So you're always starting at the, the latest or the oldest stuff. And you have to kind of mm-hmm. paginate through and... Right. All that stuff. It's, I'm like, okay, can I just sort by time and show me the list? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at like two pages of the High Republic of which I have paid zero attention. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one of those things where it's like, if I had, if I knew I was going to live forever and I had like, you know, some downtime, I would go through and, <laughs> and start at the beginning. But you know, times yeah. are, times are uh, wasting. Uh, and yeah. I also checked out Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. I like Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia is great. <laughs> Because I, I did, I did uh, send the Star Wars canon timeline to my son Jack, who, uh, we, who is my my viewing companion for things like the Bad Batch, and actually we're making our way through Clone Wars as well right mm-hmm. now. But um, his response to me was, "So many books, so many books." <laughs> yep. The the one thing on Wikipedia that's kind of fun is that there's on this day, so uh, mm-hmm. on May 11th, Terrence McGovern is born. 
uh, uh, a bunch of things are born and yes <laughs> a lot born of and released dies and, yes. and published and there's youtube stuff there's a lot of stuff that happened on this day in may 11th in the star wars galaxy so the star wars galaxy is vast particularly if you do get into what is no longer considered canon i mean i was i, I was uh you know in my high school years i think i read oh two to three hundred star wars books uh, mm. that were all within that period and and all went away because i mean some of it was quite silly but you know it it was what it was okay. yeah yeah me too all right should we talk about the real world yeah, why not gotta okay <laughs> so details of the industry hobbling colonial pipeline cyber attack are starting to emerge it appears to be a group called dark side which stole almost 100 gigabytes of data in two hours on may Speaking 6th of star part wars of a double extortion scheme yes where intruders uh, threatened to leak both company data and lock them out of their own information uh we do not know if they paid a ransom yet uh we I, I do have a question for you, Dave. Do you think this is the, in terms of uh, regular, normal human beings affected, do you think this is the biggest cyber attack that has happened that at least we are aware of? Yes, I think yeah. so. Un un unquestionably. Largest on U.S. soil for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, this is a biggie. Um, yeah. Gas prices up basically everywhere. Um, could be. Really yeah, we've East seen. Coast fuel supply, including airports, which mm -hmm. could restrict travel. But they've um, apologized, yes, Brian. <laughs> this is my neck of the woods that it does affect. So we'll mm -hmm. see. I, I haven't seen any effects so far, but, you know, there's an airport near here and uh, we'll see what it does to gas prices. Um, I, I like Graham Cluley on his website today. Uh, I think the headline was something like, you know, the dark side, the, the people who run dark side are surely shitting their pants right now. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> they are. They are cashing in and heading to the hills. Well, what yeah. did they, they did come out and say that this is not politically motivated or anything like that. It was pure money grab, right? So they're right. already trying to say, How do, you don't have to send the army after us. We, we so, just wanted money. Oh, but we let, do. So <laughs> there's an important point here that I think is is um, not being – not clear in a lot of the coverage, and that is that Darkseid, they run an affiliate model. Yes. So uh, it's ransom, as a service, right? Yeah, right. It's ransomware <laughs> as a service. So what likely happened here is that one of Darkseid's – affiliates just did some kind of a spray and pray attack and mm -hmm. they hit this pipeline and now everybody's in trouble so <laughs> you know this is like if you're mcdonald's and one of your franchises goes God rogue. damn it bob <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> but um yeah when you have the attention of the president of the united states and he's commenting on it um, bad when you, when you take down the primary oil pipeline for the entire eastern uh, southeastern section of the United States, this is surely going to bring the hammer down on you. Uh, even in places like Russia, where the hammer rarely comes down, mm -hmm. um, at the very least they're going to get a hey, knock it off, and and at the very uh, worst, um, other bad things could happen to them that happen in folks in that neck of the woods. So yeah. we'll see. We shall see. And uh, we've also learned this week that it's already possible to hack AirTags. I love this. <laughs> I'm in. I want some yes, AirTags now. <laughs> 9 yeah. to 5 Mac is reporting that security researcher Thomas Roth has already cracked the microcontroller for Apple's item tracker, dumping its firmware and discovering you can reflash it for your own purposes. Whoopsies. Mm -hmm. So I saw someone using it to Rickroll already. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we can laugh about this one. The bigger threat, of course, about the air tags is the privacy concerns. And if you do not have, um, you know, you're, you're okay if you've got an iPhone because an iPhone will tell you if one's on you and following mm -hmm. you around. If you've got an Android, you're fucked. Yeah. Well, but it starts beeping after a certain amount of time. Right. Um, so if it doesn't come within range of its its home devices, it starts beeping after I think three days is what it is right now. I don't so. know if that's going to do much. I don't know about you guys, but certainly in my college years and and shortly thereafter, I'd been in plenty of people's houses that just had their fire alarms beeping away because they needed <laughs> yeah. a new battery and they seemed to not care or notice. Yeah. I think that's true. Or husbands I, I guess, everywhere buying their wives Android phones for their birthdays. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the point is Apple kind of knows that this is a potential use and they're trying to – They're doing do, the best they can with it. I think they're trying in good <laughs> faith to do the best that they can. I, I will say I was listening to um, the ATP podcast, one of their their most recent episodes. I think, traitor. And they were talking about – You traitor. <laughs> 
listening to the All enemy. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I was I, not I aware to, we were at war. I, I seem to have hit a nerve. <laughs> what next? You're so. going to tell me you're listening to Reply All? Well, I'm going to get right. in touch with Darkside um, and see if they can do something about this. Yeah. So, uh, but they were complaining about how it's really hard to attach this thing to anything because of the shape of it. It's it's mm-hmm. bulbous. It has no flat surfaces. So yeah, I've seen people drilling holes in it, and there's mm-hmm. like YouTube videos about like if you go, you have to measure five millimeters over this way and 10 millimeters down and you can put a hole through it right there so you can attach it to something and <laughs> right right yeah. whereas the, the its competitors are designed to go on a keychain without having to go inside of something else a, a, yeah. by miraculously you know, a putting a hole in it <laughs> right imagine <laughs> yes. that they, design... I mean, they have whole technology well, that you was know, part ever, of the point. Ever they were since making... Johnny left Apple, I, I just don't know what's happening. Did you think yeah. to put a fucking hole in it? Right, design is how it works. That's what Steve Jobs said. But uh, yeah, uh, as I think they pointed out over on ATP, it's as if this device is designed to sell you another thing. It would be that a a ten dollar you know little plastic case around it, or a five hundred dollar leather one. Yes. Oh, have they never available. ever seen the iPhone? I mean, well, that is designed to buy a case, a screen protector. Everything that they make is designed to buy a case, you know, or sell a case. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true. That's I true. I like to live on the edge. No case. Brian goes <laughs> oh, commando. Man. That's right. Yeah. I actually do, too. I, the I don't put way. a case on my iPhone. <laughs> Oh, I can't. I can't live with that kind of anxiety. Are you kidding me? Uh, the Gorilla Glass <laughs> or whatever they're using these days has gotten so good. Yeah, it's, uh, no. It's not like a. It's not like five to six versions ago where if you sneezed at it, the fucking thing shattered. Well, and Apple yeah. Care Plus has also come a long way too. So <laughs> you just you just pay your 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 nine ninety nine a month tithing your, to the your Apple pound gods. of flesh exactly, yeah. and then you can basically throw it you know on the ground and stomp on it when you walk into the Apple Store and say, "Give me another one." So, yeah, they frown on that, folks. Don't do say, that. But you can do it. Everyone, that's why everyone at the local Apple store loves to see Jason coming in. Here, Here he comes go. with a sledgehammer oh, again. I've got to deal with this guy again. Like every time, yeah, it's like every time the battery runs out, he throws it on the ground and stomps the, on it and walks the in. The bonfire of laptops <laughs> in front of the Apple store. Right. Give me a new one. Yes, yes. Jason, here you go. Yes, well, sir. you should have made Angry Birds load faster. Now I'm angry. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Right, right. He's what do you mean you don't, who... we don't have any more iPhones to sell in here? Uh, there's a stack right over there. That's the Jason stack. We, <laughs> yeah. we always keep them handy. Mm-hmm. He just comes in. It's usually in mid-afternoon. He comes in. He grabs his new one, and little, off he goes. He's and... a little hangry when he misses lunch, and then there goes the new one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. <laughs> you peed it off. <laughs> I guess we'll do this again next week, guys. I guess we will. All right. May the force be with you. Always. (laughs) And also with you. (laughs) Closing shout outs. A sad shout out this week. We lost Tawny Katane. She died at uh, age 59. She was a uh, white snake video, right? The white snake girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She was in bachelor party as well, which was an old funny movie with Tom Hanks. Oh God, was that was started. a great movie. Yeah, yeah. it was back then. <laughs> I don't know if that's got legs. I might have to, we might have to revisit that one. But... I, 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 it probably needs a few disclaimers at the beginning. Oh, it needs a lot of disclaimers. <laughs> Some at trigger the warnings. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I The one thing yeah. I, I, cause I, I never heard the term before and I was always confused cause it was, I was pretty young when I saw that. Uh, As they, we all were. Yes. Yeah. They just kept talking about laying that pipe and I just, I'm like, huh, <laughs> what, what? I didn't get it for quite some time. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's one yes, of those. Right. Yeah. So uh, fare thee well, Tawny. We will always have the white snake video. Mm-hmm. And over at Patreon, we've got Rick, Andrew, Nagold, 0123, and JW. And he says, a couple months back, you guys mentioned chia farming. Thanks a bunch for that. Managed to farm multiple chia before it hit exchanges yesterday. To suffice it to say, I made back my initial farming investment times 15. Going to sell half and keep half is free roll. Party time. Love the podcast. Going to use a leaf of chia to patron you all. And he did. Thank you. Thank you. And you also are required now to get a chia pet and put it on top of the machine that is doing the farming. <laughs> I, I, I want pictures and we need to come up with a hashtag. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah, I, I've done some back of the napkin calculations. And from the people who listened to me when I first mentioned it, uh, I mm-hmm. think our total uh, gross profit is around seventy five thousand dollars now. 
So if if you'd have listened, I and patreon.com slash GOG. I'm Give saying back. share the wealth. You know, uh, where's our taste? Give us a taste. JW, <laughs> you know, you, you you did good, but you know, you did, it's still going up. So I'm saying you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Um, That's right. And uh, Jared wrote us over there. Uh, so I'm starting to think that I must live in an alternate universe or something. I've yet to have any issues with the Apple Podcast app. That's how I've been listening to y'all since I switched back to an iPhone years ago. What exactly don't y'all like it? Is it maybe because I'm just a listener and not a creator? Uh, no, it was missing a ton of episodes. Uh, they have since fixed some of it. It seems like all of our episodes are back, um, but their titles <clears throat> are still screwed up. The uh, descriptions are all jacked up. They uh, they screwed the pooch on this, uh, basically because they went from – you used to be able to, when you opened the Apple Podcast app, it would talk to us, get our RSS feed, and it would build our library based on the RSS feed directly from us. Apple decided in the interim to say, no, we don't want to do that anymore. They're going to go out and uh, basically scrape all the RSS feeds and build a massive database that you then ping from your Apple podcast app, except they really suck at RSS aggregate scraping <laughs> and they completely <laughs> botched their spider. Uh, something that, you know, I think any competent programmer has done, you know, a million times over, but this is, you know, the Apple podcast division is the mailroom. That is where you start or where you end your career at Apple. Uh, so <laughs> it is uh, – it's either fresh talent or don't give a fuck talent. Uh, and I'm thinking on this one, don't give a fuck talent. So they're working their way through it. But uh, yeah, sorry. It's, uh, it's, it's out of our hands. You know, If you, if you want uh, consistent results, check another podcast player. There you go. And over at PayPal, we've got donations from Andrew, Breed, Mark, Michael, Ralph, Stephen, St Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Stephen, Stephen, Stephen <laughs> Miles, and Sloan. <laughs> and over at iTunes, hey, we got some reviews this week. Ninja0211 says, best part of my commute. Longtime listener, first-time reviewer. I've been listening to these two grumps for a little over a year after hearing about them on the CyberWire, and it's almost scary how right they are. Every Wednesday, I look forward to my commute home since I can generally listen to the entirety of the episode uninterrupted. The security segment with Dave is always entertaining, and finding out about Dave's furry tendencies justified him being my spirit animal. Keep it up, grumps. You're keeping me sane through this pandemic. Well, thank you, Ninja. Thank you. And we also got a five-star rating from The Real SMY. Yes, I was one of the three that laughed at CQ, and I got the ape masks. Good episode, guys. Closing shoutouts, Jason CCC. I took this as a personal request to leave a review, so I have. Consistently good show that is both educating and entertaining. Thank you, and stay grumpy. Thank you. And we have a review from Stuart over at Podchaser, which is a five stars and five paragraphs long. So <laughs> if you are on Podchaser, feel free to read that review, because <laughs> we don't have an Way hour. Way to punt that one. <laughs> we, we don't have an hour. <sighs> Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schillmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. If you enjoy the show, please consider visiting GOG.show slash donate to help us keep the lights on, and we'll love you forever. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 506. From there, you can find all the links we talked about in this episode. You can also head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head up to GOG.show slash review and toss us a five-star and snarky review. And if you don't already follow us in your podcast player of choice, just go to GOG.show slash follow, where you can find convenient links to every podcast player so you can get the show as soon as it drops, except for Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone who has too much hope in their hearts and a spring in their step, then definitely tell them about the show, Misery Loves Company. Stay grumpy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.